Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Demoland Podcast. My name is Andy, and joining me this evening is my co-host, author of The Great Depression. Uh, you might know him from Twitter as at DemonBlog or from Demonland.com as Super Mercado. Good evening and welcome, Super Mercado. It's an oh. occasion to be here at the uh, high water mark of the last 12 years of being a Melbourne fan shortly before we get screwed out of a final spot. <laughs> well, I love, uh, I love your, well, your positivity, but there isn't any positivity in your voice. And Defend. Just go into a defensive pose and then you'll either be uh, happy with what happens or you'll at least have been right. And I would like to point out that the Ds were 9-1 to one this week to miss the finals if you're a betting man. Thank you very much. All right, well, um, let's uh, get my TAB account all dusted out so I can uh, get on that one. Um, also joining us tonight is uh, YouTube vlogger and D's fan, uh, Caden McDonald. Good evening and welcome to the Demonland Podcast, Caden. G'day, guys. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I think we might be able to just sneak in, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Not a problem, and we will go into. So I hope, I hope, Kate, and you've done all your ladder predictors because uh, we're going to pull all of them out uh, later in the show. Um, if anyone wants to join us um, tonight, uh, we do have a couple of ways you can do that: zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or you can Skype us on Demonland thirty one. Or if you're listening to this live, uh, jump into the chat room at demonland.com/podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this on a replay, you can listen to us live every Wednesday night at 8.30. Now, um, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed co-founder of Sports Host, uh, Darren Walls, whose company, Sports Host, have partnered with the MFC to help pair newcomers to, the fo- to footy and other sports with hosts who effectively, well, host these newbies to a day out at the footy. And Caden, you were one such host. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that experience? Yeah, for sure. So um, I uh, go to most D's games, um, got my membership 17 consecutive years. And uh, yeah, so I go to most D's games on a vlog. Sometimes I like to film my experiences and um, sports hosts hit me up and they they sort of asked if I would be interested in hosting. Um, I was a little bit uh, nervous. So if anyone hasn't quite heard of sports hosts, it's where you, um, you go onto the website, you make an account. Um, and then you can sort of say a couple of weeks in advance a game that you're going to go to, and then um, international people or people who haven't been to the football before sort of click on that are that are going to be holidaying at that time, and and um, they they can sort of uh, match with you, and 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 you can connect, and then from there um, there's a little chat. So I got on there and um, spoke to a couple of Brazilian girls who were really keen to come to the football with me. So. Uh, yeah, we made a day of it. We um, got on the messenger on sports host, met at Fed Square, and I was a little bit nervous about taking uh, you know some random people to the football with me. Uh, but they had a ball, I had a ball, and it was a really good experience. Well, it sounds uh, when you're taking a couple of Brazilian girls, it sounds like you're <laughs> for a good day out. Um, so, how, how does it? I, I can't. Re- I'm sure we asked uh, Dar- uh, Darren this question when he was on. Um, do you? Do you have to pay for their entry into the? How does it work, or do you have to? Uh, do you use your membership to get them in? How does it work in terms of um, getting them into the game? Um, I'm not exactly sure. For me personally, I had a couple of spare memberships. Um, we got a whole family of D's fans that that don't get to a game every week, so that's how uh, it worked out with me. Um, I'm not sure. Normally, if 
if you would go buy tickets together. But um, yeah, it was a, it was it was very interesting uh, taking someone that that doesn't know anything about football to a game. There was a lot of questions they were asking that that were making me sort of laugh. Like they were sort of really questioning the pink people running on the ground every five minutes and I had to explain that they were runners and I'm not sure what their jobs are anyway, but I had to try and explain to Brazilian people that, that have never seen the game before what they do. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of different things that happened throughout the day which made, I don't know, mate, it, it was the Saints game where we lost in frustrating circumstances. So despite the loss, I, I walked away like having a pretty good day. Yeah, it's always, um, uh, I don't know how you are at the footy, how, how vocal do you get uh, at a game? Because I know uh, if I was taking someone to the game, I'd really have to be on my best behaviour, I think. Um, yeah, well, over the years, it, it sort of went from, I was probably in my teen, probably 15, 16, when it was as bad as it's ever been. Um, and then from there, I used to really spit the dummy. And Dad would get angry about how uh, how poorly I would act at the football, <laughs> just out of frustrations. And then from there, it's like a, a more quiet frustration. So I was sort of sitting there and um, they had no idea about anything to do with the game. So there was two or three minutes left. We were down by three goals and they were saying, oh, there's still time, there's still time. And I'm like, <laughs> there's really not still time. But then we almost did pinch it in the end. So maybe they were right and I was wrong. But um yeah, it, it, it was a, an interesting experience, especially for someone who I've never travelled or I've never really left Victoria. So to take international people to the football and, and show them something that I love and ultimately convert them to be D's fans, um, yeah, it was a great day. What did they think of our award-winning uh, pre-match and uh, during the match entertainment? Did they get into the old Hogan's highball and the Demon Dash? I just think <laughs> this is a remarkable uh, show of Australian culture. Yeah, well, I was really shattered that the uh, the Hogan's Hangers was done by then because it would have been uh, quite funny to explain to them what they were doing out there, um, jumping on each other's backs. But uh, they they were interested in the banners. Um, they come like the sport that they loved um, is soccer, and the World Cup was on at the mo was on at the time, and Brazil were were still in. Um, well, I did take them to the football, so they they were talking a little bit of soccer to me, but they were questioning what the banners did and um, some of the stuff like that. And it's, it's stuff like that that I don't even think of. Like I go to the footy, I don't know, probably 15 times a year or somewhere around that, and, you know, you sort of take the banners and, and all the little quirks for granted because it's just something we see every week. But it's funny when you bring someone like that along and they have all those sort of questions. It, it brings to light how unique uh, our experiences at the footy are. Well, is, is Aussie rules the only sport where you have uh, sort of officials uh, from teams run onto the ground being the runners? Um, I don't it think would, there's any other sports like that. No, would ha- yeah, I, I can't think of another sport. I know, you know, that with soccer or basketball, the coach is right on the sideline and getting direct messages. So it's pretty funny that our coaches are up three levels in the stands on a phone. Um but yeah, they they were definitely questioning, and then they were. So I, I sort of explained, yeah, the guys in pink, they're the runners. And they're like, well, what are those guys in pink doing from the other side of the ground? I'm like, oh, well, they're carrying water. So <laughs> yeah. sort of every time I explained something, there was another question that they had. But um, yeah, it was it was great. It was it was a great day. Well, what's the deal with the water uh, boys and girls these days? Are they allowed on the field during the uh, play? Because there's also no other sports where I think during the play they can sort of be 
people on the field. Well, the real question is that are runners allowed on the ground anymore? Well, they're not allowed. Certainly not allowed to coach, <laughs> which has been uh, or stand or guard, in a hole or guard somewhere. Space. Yeah, lock up space. Ex- exactly, but uh, I don't know. Would you, do you think uh, we should get rid of the runners out of the game while while we're talking about this? Is there a need for them? No, I love them. I reckon it's especially when it's a former player, a former cult figure, or you know, a ten dime zungu, and you see him running around again. It's it, oh yeah, I enjoy I enjoy the runners. Yeah, I've got a mate of mine who's a runner for uh, one of the clubs, and uh, yeah, I like seeing him on TV. So, uh. Great year when Rod Grinter was our runner, and you were always just waiting for him to uh, run through somebody. Did, was there any? Sadly, any... sadly, he never did. No incidents with uh, with Rod. I reckon there there was. Speaking of incidents with runners, a game against somebody in the late eighties where there was a big brawl and a runner got involved as well. That's just the kind of thing that, uh, sadly, you don't see anymore, or maybe a good thing that you don't see anymore. Well, uh, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the, those videos? There's the sensational 70s and electrifying 80s or something like that. And I think it's the 70s one where the runner or someone uh, throws a ball into uh, the guy on the mark's face. Um, see, we don't, want, we don't want big hits and people get punched in the gob, but surely we can, surely we can enjoy the scenes of a runner gingerly throwing a ball into a, a player's face. Um, what did uh, your guests think of the uh, the physicality of the game? Uh, obviously, soccer, you see players going down that not, without even getting touched. Uh, they must have been quite impressed with some of the biff uh, in AFL. Yeah, they were. They were impressed with um, yeah the physicality of the game. And it's quite funny because, like, if, if they watch soccer and, and someone that they know says they watch soccer, it's just like, oh, you must be skilled. And, um, you know, I, I sort of mentioned, yeah, I used to play, you know, I used to play a bit of footy. And they, they got immediately impressed by uh, the physicality when they put us into the context of playing, uh, not knowing that I would always sheepdog out the back and get a couple of cheap goals. <laughs> I was nowhere near the uh, the heat of the contest. But, um, yeah, and and one player they loved straight off the bat was uh, Big Maxi Gorn. They were all over him. So um, yeah, how can you not I, love him? <laughs> yeah, especially two hundred centimeters and and a big beard. Uh, Maxi He's was even got international player. appeal. People, they can look up his Google ads in <laughs> <Yeah>. Portuguese. <laughs> um, so, uh, would you do this? Would you do this again through sports hosts? Um, yeah. So. Uh, I'm sort of like a pretty cautious sort of person, especially um, with something as outgoing as this. Um, it was one of those things where I sort of had to block out any any worries or, or or any thought like what you know what if we don't get on? What if I drag this person to the football and they don't like it? What if you know they don't speak English and it's a bit awkward? So I sort of blocked those worries out. Um, met up with them, and once I met up with them, it was you know. It was it was just great from then. Um, I'm still in contact with them since. So it is one of those things where, yeah, I was a bit cautious to do it at the start, but I loved ever since, and I, I think I will do it again. I, I had such a ball. Well, it sounds like, uh, yeah, it sounds like a very good experience. Um, so if anyone does want to, uh, you know, host someone, an international guest at, uh, at one of these things, um, they can just get on uh, the Sports Hosts uh, website. Um, I think it's sportshost.com.au. Um, and put your name down, and um, good, have a good experience like Caden did uh, at the footy. Give him a day's scarf, and hopefully get a couple more memberships. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's what I I, I like about this. I'm, I'm hoping there's a good conversion rate to 
to uh, into members down the track. So um, yeah, it's a, it's really good initiative that uh, they've done with, and I'm really happy that the the Melbourne Footy Club sort of got on board early, and uh, hopefully it can be a success. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, speaking of successes, um, the game this week, uh, Super Mercado, how, how did you feel um, after the first quarter? Uh, you must have been licking your lips, uh, nine goals. <laughs> You're probably the person to ask. Uh, records, um, I, I believe it was a record or equal record for it the It was beef? the equal fourth best first quarter we've ever had and the second biggest first quarter lead we've ever had. Both of the top ones of those are a North Melbourne game in 1972, I think round six, I'm just going to look it up here, where we kicked about 11 goals to none in the first quarter. And I did see a couple of posts on Demon Land from people who were there that day in 1972 saying there was a howling gale uh, to one end of the ground, which probably explains why they only managed to turn it into a 108-point win uh, rather than uh, the absolute slaughter it could have been. So it was 11-7 to two points in the first quarter. Uh, and then North managed to win the second quarter very slightly, uh, h- held it to one goal each in the third quarter, and then uh, I don't know if the wind turned around or something because the D's put another eight goals to one. So Against that's the wind. The, that's the gold standard <laughs> uh, for that game. But this was certainly the biggest first quarter lead I've ever seen in my life. Um, certainly biggest first quarter lead I've ever been there for. Um, I must say I was as excited as I was. It was that 10 minutes into the second quarter when we got to about 75 in front that I started to think. One eight six. I started to think records. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I, I was I was thinking more there about, I think our hot biggest ever wins about 140 points and our highest scores 180 something. So I was kind of, I, I was kind of hoping just to knock one of those off. I wasn't looking to, to league records yet, but gee, the way Gold Coast were going. Uh, it was it was certainly on the cards for a while. I think we were, a, it, it, you know, those in swimming where the line shows where the world record yes. is as they swim. I think we were actually ahead of one eight six wow. until about ten minutes into the second quarter. Uh, we were certainly on world record pace for a while. Hard to t- hard to know what to take out of it when the opposition was just completely, effectively not there. Um, like I think I said in the blog, they weren't just undermanned; they they were unmanned. There was just no resistance at all. Uh, so I'm still not entirely convinced it's going to translate uh, against teams that put up even the remotest fight, um, but I'm certainly not going to turn it back at the moment. Yeah, it's very hard to sort of uh, gauge anything from the match, as you said, uh, when you when you sort of dominate uh, like we did. Uh, it even gets to the point where people get a little bit um, greedy. Um, I heard people on the train, I read on social media, you know, we we won by 100 points effectively um, and people were disappointed. Uh, so uh, I, I now I imagine I can sort of imagine how sort of Hawthorne supporters of the uh, three peat days uh, would feel <laughs> probably in some games. Um, but Absolutely. It was very much like a lot of the games we played five or six years ago where a team would sort of get to 90-odd points in front, and they probably wouldn't even be satisfied with how they played. Uh, but, I, look, I think you can only take take what's on the field at the time. Got the confidence up. Um, there was still, a, I thought, a lot of things that could be improved on that performance. Uh, so they're certainly going to have to do that the next three weeks. Um, I thought, uh, it's just in terms of Gold Coast, at times they were double-teaming uh, Jesse Hogan, 
and then there were times when there was like no one on him. <laughs> so oh, that, that back line, like I'm not obviously an expert on the Gold Coast Suns, but I don't think that really any of their first choice defenders were playing because <laughs> there was a couple of blokes who really looked um, looked like they were they were trying their best. But they were not suited to be playing in a in an AFL against the highest scoring team in the AFL um, on that stage. There was one bloke in particular who, oh, in the last quarter, Hogan took a mark on him, and just the look on his face was just like, "Get this game over with! <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore." So I think we've all been there. We we all know how it feels. Um, you, had, you had to feel for them when the when Peter Wright took that mark right at the start, and we probably all went, "Oh God, they're going to beat us." And then he injured himself in the mark and was never seen again. Like, how much more bad luck could a team have? So, yeah, it was very much a, uh, a traffic cones performance. And ironically, they dress like traffic cones. Um, I was so, actually, yeah, it's, uh, I, we, we really need to, to, back, to turn it up against the Swans. You're not going to get away with that kind of performance against a, uh, a real team. No, d- definitely not. Um, uh, boys, uh, what did you think? I'll ask you, Kate, first. Uh, uh, Vandenberg's return, uh, how did you think he went? Um... Yeah, it, w- it was sort of one of those ones where um, it, it was sort of like for a like. So Melksham was out and Vandenberg came in. It sort of felt uh, like almost, yeah, just a pl- like a player for a player. Um, and then when he came in, yeah, I, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, I love – like he, he – he, he's one of these players, like, I remember a couple of years ago, we picked up your Matt Jones, uh, your Harmsies, your Hunts, your Vandenbergs, and it was all sort of off the back of, like, your Mitch Clisbys and a couple of others. So, like, I didn't think he would be a player that would stick around. And I didn't think, like, a Harmsie or a Hunt who have turned into, like, in our best 22 type players would, would be around by this stage. So it was funny how um, important he's made himself in, in like in the 22 over his short amount of games so then like two years down the track like people were missing him and really looking forward to him to come back but I was really hoping he'd snag a goal early because that would have really lifted the fans at the G yeah uh, every time he like I really loved uh, when he came onto the ground the, the crowd roared when he got his yeah. first touch and I was just waiting <laughs> he, he did everything possible to not kick that goal um, he just couldn't couldn't uh, slot it through. And that uh, would have brought the house down. Um, super. What did you uh, What do you think of it? Well, I thought. I thought. Yeah, the the crowd reaction. People were were three quarters of the way through going right off before uh, he didn't get the goal. Yeah. They were they were poised <laughs> to go right off for him. Oh, look, I thought fine performance, no drama at all. Um, again, it's hard to hard to judge when yeah. you're you're playing a, a defence that was just completely uh, just lacking in in players. Um, look, I would obviously have, have Melksham back yeah. um, in his place or potentially Kennedy Harris's place uh, if Melksham's fit. If not, I'm probably just a bit worried that neither of them set up enough for other players. Um, I know that sounds harsh, but I, I just would like to get a look at potentially Kent uh, in that position as well. But I think obviously Vandenberg, he, he's done... More than enough, um, even at Casey, for the last few weeks to justify going around again next year. Yeah, I think so. What's the uh, what's the latest on him? I think his contract runs out at the end of this year. So yeah, I think the, he was one of the ones that's the, still unsigned. If he can stay uh, fit, I would say for the rest of the year they they might and providing uh, he has a bit of return. Um, 
uh, they might give him a year. Um, yeah, I would, think so. And look, you got you've already got obviously um, Harley Ballage's retirement yes. has opened one one spot on the senior list. So realistically, trades aside and potential free agents aside, um, that's only two players who we absolutely have to to take off the list. Um, I suppose you have to have three draft picks. There's probably three we have to take off the list. Uh, but Balich has already taken one of those spots. So there, there shouldn't be too much need for uh, bloodletting at the end of this year. I think for the first time in a while, uh, people who get delisted will probably feel unlucky yes. uh, to go <laughs> and not have had their chance that a few years ago, um, everyone would have had a game by now. Balich, Baker, Kilty, everyone would have played a senior game by now a few years ago, whereas now it's harder to get in the squad. Uh, but I think Vandenberg certainly, uh, even if he doesn't play the whole year next year, what a what a big body to have uh, have in re- reserve. And obviously he can he can still play in the midfield as well as playing in that forward role as well. So I, I don't think there'll be any drama with him getting a new contract. Uh, you mentioned uh, Harley Balich. Um, I think he announced his retirement. Uh, it was after our podcast last week. Um, it was our fault. We didn't say anything about him. Yeah, Put that so, on the record. So. <laughs> I mean, it, this sort of, it sort of came as a uh, well, it came as a surprise. Um, I was hoping at the beginning of the year that he would have broke into the uh, into the team, but obviously the passion wasn't there, and I think um, I think he had been dropped from the te- the the resis. Uh, I think he didn't uh, turn up to a training session, so I think maybe the writing was on the wall um, then that um, something was up. And I think it's just it, fair enough if you're not interested. Then it's better to, um, you know, better to go and do what you want to do rather than hanging around and, and trying to force yourself into it. And there was a few pretty harsh things said by people uh, at the time. You know, like oh, he's taken a spot someone else could have had on the list, and it's like, well, he played three quarters of the year on in you know, Casey Fields, which is like one step from being in Antarctica. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a guy, I, I know a few years ago, and I won't say the name, we had a rookie who was drafted and then pretty much straight after the draft said, uh, I don't want to play. And they eventually convinced him to come and he, I think he played one season as a rookie. Now that is where I can see uh, something to that argument. But a guy who's come, played three quarters of a season in a very successful team, um, and just puts his hand up and goes, look, he's only had a one-year contract anyway. Put his hand up and just said, don't bother. Um, I haven't got the passion for it. I think good luck to him, and I, I hope whatever he does from here, um, whether he even just gets into suburban footy or if he just dumps the whole thing and goes off and does something else, best of luck to him. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, votes are rather – I mean, look, it's, uh, we can talk about performances, but uh, I think given the opposition um, – you know, it's hard to take anything out of it. Uh, Clary clearly uh, our best on ground, um, doing fairly well in the uh, coaches' uh, votes. Uh. I, I would like to provide a dissenting opinion on Ooh. him being our best on ground. Now, okay. again, I don't want to argue with the two coaches who both gave him uh, yes. maximum votes, uh, but I thought both Hogan and Salem uh, were better on the day. Um, and and. Oliver has still got a commanding lead in my Player of the Year award, so it's certainly not a not not a surprise anti anti Oliver uh, viewpoint. But I just thought that he was a bit untidy with the ball um, in hand. Kicked those couple of goals, which was or kicked a goal, which was really good. Kicked that beautiful kick to Spargo running into the square. 
Uh, but I, I didn't think he was in our best. Oh, I thought he was in our best. I had him fifth best overall. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I, I must say I had perfect uh, vision of that kick that he uh, absolutely put down Spargo's throat. And had Spargo not been there, that was a goal. 100% that was a goal. And it was a great setup by Petrarca before that. The kick to the kick to Oliver was great. It was a, just a perfect piece of play, uh, and even let's let's remove the opposition. They practically were removed anyway. But let, just no matter who that was, I think that would have worked against any opposition. Christian Petrarca um, started to sort of lift uh, in the past couple of weeks, past month. Um, quite happy uh, with the way he's going about things at the moment. Um, he's doing some really nice things. Uh, won't quite call it his breakout year yet. I'm still waiting for a, a little bit more, but I'm very, very happy where Christian Petrak is at at the moment. Well, he kicked two set shots in a filthy wind run going across the ground, so that was a good sign because uh, he's, he's had a few struggles there this year. So, But just in general, yeah, I agree. I think he had a, he had a down point uh, for a few weeks there in the middle of the season, and now he's really back to contributing, uh, and he'll need to be... At, at or near his best for the next three weeks because uh, the quality of opposition is going to go through the roof pretty quickly. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the wind. Um, I do believe um, that had a big impact on a lot of our, um, not only the kicking for goal, uh, there were a lot of times when the ball sailed over the heads of players and that was uh, purely wind-related Um I thought it was just bad kicking initially until I realised <laughs> that the wind... Well, I was sitting right in the... It was coming right into my face because you know, where, of where I was sitting. Uh, and I was and looking at the flags. And when I got there, I thought, geez, this is going to wreck us kicking a big score today. And we, uh, we're going to have to walk about 15 goals in from the square. And ironically, that's pretty much what we did in the end. Um, so many of our goals did come from inside 30 metres. Um, it's just a. If it was a still day, I reckon we might have uh, banged through a couple more, but I won't uh, quibble with a ninety-six point win. Well, you know that the wind is a factor when uh, Tom McDonald, uh, our sharpshooter, um, you know, kicked three points. And I got a theory about it because I reckon he's a dead-eye dick when he's kicking. He's got that robotic thing that just the balls go straight. I don't think he factored the wind into any of his kicks. So the ball probably well. did go straight, uh, but the wind ended up taking it. <laughs> the wrong I, way. I wondered exactly <laughs> the same thing, that like in normal conditions, he just goes whack. And because he hasn't had that much forward experience, I know he, he used to be a forward when he was a kid, but in the last seven or eight years, he hasn't had much experience as a forward. I agree. I reckon he just didn't factor that in. Yeah. Uh, and it was probably his worst game as a forward that he's <laughs> he's played since he went into that position, actually. But even then, having played a, not a great game as a forward, he still ended up with three shots on goal. So he, he it shows t- that he's a, a very much a viable target. Still took um, still took eleven marks. Um, yeah, and I saw some loose talk about putting him back this week, and I I just think that's um, you know robbing Peter to pay Paul. I'm very much happy to give Frost the first crack on on Franklin. Um, and obviously, if that if that goes south, then potentially we uh, we throw throw McDonald down there as well. Um, yep, no, I, I agree. Wait, I've got a question has come in through Skype. I, I thought I had a call coming in. Um, 
All right. Well, we, actually, someone's asked a question, but it's something we're going to talk about a bit later on. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, Christian Salem, you mentioned, uh, he's really now stepping it up uh, quite a bit in Hibbard's absence. So, uh, what did you guys think of that, Caden? Um, yeah, I think he's he's just he's one of those players that. When he's got the ball, you're excited as a yeah. as a D's fan. Like for a long time, um, especially like the McDonald's off the back line or or players like that, it was sort of like where is his kick going? But you know when Christian Salem's got the ball in his hand, he'll he'll take a minute, he'll be composed. Um, he's really strong, so he, he looks like a little fella out on the field, but he rarely gets tackled when he's got the ball. So um, yeah, he, he's just playing such a good role. And now he's starting to find the footy as well. So he's clean, good decision maker. And, um, yeah, it's just good having him off that back line for sure. And definitely I would agree that with the inhibited absence, he's had to stand up because I think as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, the remaining defenders, apart from Frost, who's a bit see ball, get ball, thump ball as far as possible, there's not yep. playmakers amongst them. There's not a Hibbard. There's not a Hunt. So someone has to step up and do that. And I think Salem's been really good the last few weeks in doing that. I thought some of Frost's uh, kicks were a little bit better uh, this week. Um, you know, we've been critical in the past of uh, exactly what you just said, but uh, he did hit a hit a few targets this uh, this week, so I was happy with that. Well, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I think that's you've got to you've got to pay a couple of dodgy kicks for for what you get for him um, as being that speedy defender that can close people down, put pressure on people on the run. Occasionally, yeah, he's going to come out and just you know slam one down someone's throat. But at least he's going to do it fifty meters away, uh, yeah. not some dinky ten meter pass inside fifty that that goes straight to a defender. Now, I, I haven't done the I've never done the statistics about when we've um, uh, interviewed someone and then uh, watched their game the next week to see how they've done. Uh, but James Harms definitely benefited from being our guest on the podcast last week. Uh, 25 possessions and uh, three goals, uh, not bad uh, for someone did, who had what, to speak did he have to, to us. Did, I'm, I'm taking it he didn't have anyone to tag this week. Uh, no, I, don't, I think he started on someone. Um, I'm not sure who he was on, but I do remember him sort of, you know, had the arm on someone early on. But by and the then end, just went, what's it was the like, point? It was, yeah, it was like, I'm just going to get the ball myself. Yeah, I'm just going to go kick goals. Yeah. So. He's had a great year, Harmsy. Him and um, Neil Bullen, like, there's been times where Dom Tyson, who like a couple of years ago you'd probably have in the best 22, and like a Harms and a, or a Neil Bullen have, have probably kept players like that out. Um, but it's just it's credit to him because he's just having such a good year and a pretty consistent year as well. Would you would you would you class him probably as the most improved this year? Um, and I'm, I'm putting like obviously Fritch being a new player, his best first year player. But uh, Harmsy, who's been a while around for a while, is he most improved of the guys probably, that have been around for a while? Oh, I'd probably have Harmsy or Angus Brayshaw, maybe. Yeah, um, well, I'll be up there as well. Brayshaw's a hard one because Brayshaw sort of has been, you know, he's had the concussions, so he's been out for a long time, and then was struggling yeah. to find a bit of form once he came back. But that's understandable because of the injuries and, you know, obviously when you've had that many concussions, you might be a bit wary of, you know, getting clocked in the head, but he's not. Like, uh, yep. there was that kick from Fritsch that went to, went 
it was a high ball into the middle uh, to Brayshaw, who then yeah. kicked, it, kicked it high into Jesse, who palmed it off to, to Jeffy. That ball was, you know, he was looking up, he was running towards the goal with the ball, had to look up. There were two Gold Coast guys coming at him. I don't think they were ever going to get him, but still, when you've got two, you know in your peripheral vision, you've got two guys coming at you. He didn't uh, take a sideward step. Uh, so for a guy who's had those concussion issues, um, just got guts, guts galore. And it's not it. the first he time this year he's been set up with a deadly kick um, and has just committed to it 100%. Yeah. Yeah, he did it against Adelaide um, a couple of weeks ago where yeah. he just went back with the flight. And as a D's fan, even with the helmet on, I'm still a little bit worried when he does stuff like that. But I think he's slowly getting more and more confident in himself that he can you know, put his head over over the ball and he's not going to get concussed every time, So, which is good. Yeah, his poor parents just <laughs> must hate uh, going to the footy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I thought them. at the time when I remember that kick because I read something about his, his mum – you know, was really upset and had to actually go to therapy to deal with watching him play again. Hypnotherapy. Um, and yeah, and with that in the air, I thought, bloody hell, she, the mum would have been that prick. Actually, came out after what else happened, but just knowing that the parents were were really struggling with that, and thinking, Jesus, she must have been stressed about that. And then you know, you're on the way home and you see what happens in the other game. Um, it, yeah. it must be hard work for for their mum to um, you know be watching footy. Yeah, uh, I can't, I can't, you know, now I, I sort of know, I remember playing footy myself, I remember all, you know, all the mums that come and watch uh, and, you know, have to see, you know, you know, every now and again someone would get uh, knocked out, uh, this was even in juniors and uh, yeah, yeah, I never sort of, uh, I once saw a mother run onto the field and I was like, well, what's she doing? But now, I can, as a parent myself now, I can understand, uh, yep. understand that, so... Um, any any other players that stood out for you boys um, in the game? Oh, I did like Brayshaw. I thought he was yep. he was very good as well. Um, look, it was Tyson. I, I thought that was the best game Tyson has played for probably two years. Um, again, you wonder is it going to happen against a good team? But I'm very much happy to to give him a go against the Swans and see how he goes. I must say, I always hold my breath sometimes uh, when ball's in his hand, but he nailed quite a few targets uh, yeah. running down. I was actually impressed uh, <laughs> with him. So, keep and I did time. like Garland as well. I um, I had to, I had to apologise not having Garland in the uh, in the votes because I Ooh. thought he was very good, and I thought he was doing a lot of work, uh, without getting possessions. A lot of uh, a lot of running, a lot of covering space. Um, I thought he was very good too. I yeah. thought um. I thought Joel Smith was pretty impressive oh, before yes. he went down as well. Yeah, it's a couple of times running out of defence, uh, taking the man on, you know, like taking the ball on, and I, I, I was so disappointed when he went yeah. down again. I mean, the guy's got no no luck whatsoever. Uh, doing his shoulder last year, then coming back and doing a knee, whatever he did, and yeah. then now. Um, got a feel for the guy. Uh, definitely still a spot in the team for him next year. Um, but, yeah, you've got to feel for the guy because he got that opportunity with Hibbert going down and, um, you know, probably started to cement his spot. And, yeah, he's – I mean, they say it's three to four weeks, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We might not have three to four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> well, terrible timing considering Hibbert's yeah. still at least a week away. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of – it leaves a quite a big hole in our back line. 
yeah, and we'll, we'll discuss a bit later on uh, when we talk about changes for next week about what uh, happens. Um, the small brigade, Spargo, was a, a little quiet, but he still kicked two goals. Um, so, I'm, you know, he's doing he's, he's doing what he's there to do. Um, I think uh, Jay Kennedy Harris was a bit quiet and possibly when we talk changes, he could be one that uh, might make way if Melksham's ready. Um but yeah, I think Spargo, what I've noticed with Spargo is that he seems to have real bursts yes. in games. And, and like Queen's birthday, the second quarter, he was great on the second quarter. And you, I, I don't reckon he barely got a touch in the other three quarters. Um, and it was somewhat the same in this game. Like he, he, in that first quarter, he was right in everything and then he dropped out of it. So I think that's, you know, give it another preseason, give it another, you know, 20 games of experience over the next couple of years. Uh, I think he's going to be a very dangerous player. Put it this way, no, none of us expected anything from him coming into the Correct. year. Um, we drafted him. Uh, you know, I didn't think, uh, you know, given his size, I didn't think he'd be playing this year. Not, I hadn't seen him, but I, I wasn't expecting him to play this year. I've been wrapped with him, everything he's done. Give him another preseason under his belt, as you said. He'll bulk up a little bit. Um, you know, people won't be able to break tackle. You know, at the moment, sometimes. It's easier to break his tackles, um, but I think a preseason under his belt will uh, be all the better for it. And we have to remember he's he's yep. still only what eighteen years old. Exactly. Um, I know he looks about thirty five, <laughs> yeah, but he he, he's he actually does. only eighteen years old. So, like I said, preseason another se- another season of senior games. Uh, I think he's going to be a very damaging player in the next couple of years. When he um, when he got drafted, they I heard something like he was the most competitive person in that draft. Yeah. And that's that's something that really excited me when we got him um, because obviously there's been years where players would come in and it would appear like the competitive level wasn't as high as you know what we'd all want to expect. So it's great that we draft players like that that just have a real uh, ruthless competitiveness. And then I think we just saw that from, from early on in his career and he's, he's certainly someone that I get around for sure. He's a, he's a little star. Yeah, it's sort of it's weird. What what uh, Supergato? What uh, pick did we get him with in the end? Uh, he was number twenty nine. Yes. so he came just before Fridge. Because there was talk that he'd go earlier, but then he didn't, and we were surprised uh, when he was still there. So we snapped him up. Um, it's always a bit funny when you hear those players who were supposed to go earlier and then sort of slip through the the cracks. But uh, usually, we're the ones picking them. <laughs> 15 <laughs> spots before they're expected to, and then we never hear from them again, except for Oliver. Yeah. That, that, that has changed the landscape on uh, surprise draft selections, getting that one right. Now, now what do you think? They, they sort of rested Maxi a bit, obviously, for the team thing, so that we can, over the next few weeks, uh, probably use him more. Um, but p- perhaps puts a bit of a dent in his own personal uh, uh, tilt at, at a Brownlow. Uh, but I guess the team has got to come first. They know they know that umpires <laughs> are never going to give Ruckman enough votes to win a Brownlow, so they must be they must be yeah going. He's not going to win it anyway. Let's just do the team thing. <laughs> well, it, it'll be interesting come Brownlow night how uh, he's viewed. I, I reckon he'll do better in the second half of the season, just because there's a lot of that talk of uh, umpires not giving. Uh, Ruckman votes, so they might be be more conscious of that. Um, I just think that he does so much forward and back as well. 
the margin. That, that will count in his favour. Yeah. He's not just getting 66 hitouts and 15 hitouts to advantage in a game. He's going back and taking big marks in defence. He's going taking big marks in the forward line. Um, he actually sets up play around the yeah. ground. So realistically, uh, I think he should do extremely well uh, in the Brownlow, but I just don't have the uh, confidence that he's going to be treated that way by the umpires. The thing about um, Maxi is as well, like sometimes, uh, you know, being a D's player, the ball isn't given to you as cleanly as you'd like. And the way, like how clean he is, um, at, like at his toes and, and the way he's been moving through traffic as well, it's almost... You know, I, I think early on in his career, he'd sort of just run in lines, and you know, if he's bending over to pick it up, he's sort of just running into players. But recently, I've been seeing him move really well through traffic. He's really clean below his legs. So, um, yeah, I, I hope he goes well on Brownlow night. I'm really excited for Brownlow night for the first time in ages. I think <laughs> our, our highest, you know, vote getter won't just be, you know, a, a 10 or 13 vote year. It's going to be an yeah, exciting. There should Brownlow be someone in the to top. Top 10, at least. And I reckon yeah. there's a good chance we're going to have two inside that uh, top 10 as well, uh, <laughs> which we when was the last time we had sort of two players sort of up the top end of it? Um, it's been a while. Um, think, was, was it O2 that Johnston and Uze finished? Would, would have to have been O2 because it wouldn't have, certainly wouldn't have been O1 or O3. They were sort of third and fourth in the overall count. Um, well, if you go by the uh, the coaches uh, award, um, we've got two in that, um, and I know they're five, four, three, two, one. So it's uh, more the, the, more votes the best, to go around. The best voting system of all. <laughs> yes. Um, so we've got Gorney's. They lost his top spot. He's second, um, and then you got Oliver in fourth uh, now, and probably. We'll stay there because uh, fifth uh, gaff uh, won't be uh, won't be getting any more votes uh, this oh, year. He got he got votes this week. I saw. Yeah, uh, well, well, we'll talk about the gaff. We may as well talk about it now. Uh, that was the next thing I had on my lift uh, list: the gaff gate. Um, yeah, what did uh, Supermercado? What do you think of the whole circus uh, this week? I'm just glad that he got more than Bug. Oh, absolutely. Because Bug. <laughs> Did pretty much, I would say, the same thing. He wasn't trying to punch a guy in the face, but he caught him in the face. And I think six, if you do that, bad luck, you get six weeks. But when you throw on top the actual uh, impact of what happens, I was ready to rip the place down if he only got six weeks. So I, I don't know if I can say that eight is fair because, you know, the poor bloke's, by the sounds of it, possibly even going to lose his teeth yeah. um, from what happened. So, mate, look, you, you might go up to nine or ten on that, um, but I think it's I think it's very fair to take into account the impact of what happened. Um, but like I said, with bug, I think six is fine. If you throw a punch and you just accidentally happen to hit someone in the head, then you still got to do the time. Um, but that bloke played the next week, and this guy is going to have to have his teeth replaced. So maybe yeah. eight is a bit under, but at least it was more than bug. They've got to take into account. Um what happens to the play, what happens to the victim if he's missing the rest of the year um, that's got to be factored into him if he's playing the next week that's got to be factored into it too yeah and when you're busting people's teeth and not to mention broken jaws and stuff like that like you just yeah I, I think it's I'm not again I'm not going to say eight is fair because it possibly could be more um, but I would say at an absolute minimum eight was the minimum you can give someone for that. And I didn't like the how um, 
bug was sort of used as a yardstick. I didn't mind it being used as a yardstick to say, well, bug did this and the player played the next week. He got six, so then it has to be more. But there seemed to have been a bit of uh, accusations thrown out there that uh, bug was more of a thug uh, than he actually was. I mean, we know he was a bit of a serial pest at that time and, you know, he was getting under player's skin, but that's a fair way. I think some of the media built it up that, you know, he'd been suspended a lot more times than he was and I I think he'd just been fined. I'm not sure he ever actually has been suspended. I know he got fined for uh, running in and pushing Jack Rewald over while he was being uh, attended to by trainers, which was a bit... Nasty. Uh, but I'm not sure he actually ever had been suspended at the time. But of course, and we, of course, with, with the gaff, we get the guy's a good guy. He's, he, you know, it's not in his character. It's like, well, bad luck it is now. Once you do it, it's in your character. Um, and I must say, I, I, I really wish in a situation like this, the player would just come in and just go, I did it. Give me the penalty. Well, they had a cavalcade of. Um uh, oh, character, character witnesses. witnesses. Yeah, oh, he's headmaster from uh, well, school. I was like, going to say, nineteen years old. Well, well uh, what's the statute of limitations? <laughs> yeah. of, of like, he could have been a complete bastard since he was in <laughs> high school. For all that guy knows, it's ridiculous. I don't think my high school principal would even know who I was. No, <laughs> yeah, I wish Jack would, Darling had done it. So we could have got him on. We could have got a reference from his uh, school days. <laughs> So, uh, what did you think, Aiden? Uh, fair, the amount of weeks he got? Should he have got more? Uh, yeah, well, it, it was just such weird viewing. Like, oh, we, we sort of chucked it on after the D's game, and the game was sort of over, and um, one of my mates was just about to drive to Melbourne and because um, I was just down in Geelong for the weekend, and he was just about to leave, badge or pack, you know, just about to go. Game's over, no point watching the end. And then all of a sudden, Gaff's clubbed Brayshaw and we all sort of sat there and thought this will be an interesting 40-odd minutes of football. Um, I, I think I think the good guy thing can come into it. Um, so I know it was between 8 and 12 and it, it went to 8. I, I thought it was, yeah, probably maybe not fair in terms of like these kids – just had surgery on his jaw and he's lost teeth. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I was like, I wasn't upset that he got eight um, in the end there. But it'll be interesting if, uh, you know, we do get Gaffy well, and or something like that does transpire and ha- how he would uh, go about chatting to Angus, I guess. Well, I, I think Angus would get over it pretty quickly. Um, so... The question is, there's, a, there's been a lot of people on Demon Land, sort of, there's half of them are saying, well, I've got no problem with him coming. And then there's a group of people who are, no, I don't want him now. I mean, where do you oh, guys sit on that, nah, uh, on I, that I, fence? I can't. If he turned around and headbutted the bloke and it was like a fully malicious attack on him, I could understand it. But in this case, I think it's pretty clear that he did something he didn't mean to cause what actually happened, but he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think even Andrew Brayshaw in the end will probably say, you're a dickhead, but I knew you weren't actually trying to punch me in the face like we were in a bloody street brawl or something. Uh, and I think that would flow um, through to, to Angus as well. Doesn't uh, the other Brayshaw brother play for West yeah, Coast? Yeah, he's a West Coast there player. There you go. Um, so, you know, so are they are they feuding now? Can we, if we don't get Gaff, if Gaff suddenly feels obliged to stay at West Coast now, can we nick the other Brayshaw? <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, um, I was just, I was also thinking, uh, well, if he gets 12 weeks and we get him, we're getting screwed <laughs> out of this yeah. somehow. Well, let's hope West Coast play uh, yeah, yeah, a, few more, a few more finals. Yeah, I'd li- I, as I said, if, if we can make it to the finals and we can play West Coast of the team I want to play on grand final day uh, and one week at a time, boys, but... If for some strange reason we get into a grand final, they're the team I want to play. Um, what did you think of the uh, – what happened with the uh, West Coast? Uh, was it the CEO who um, – Said they played old, golf. Yeah. Well, what's the story there when they clearly <laughs> didn't? Yeah. There's wires crossed and he yeah. heard something. I don't think it was, was a good it? week for CEOs of interstate clubs uh, when you had the Gold Coast bloke threatening to, to take player agents to court for uh, allegedly telling their, their players not to play for the Gold Coast. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm not entirely sure how you can sue someone for that. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great weekend for interstate CEOs. Um, so, Gaff, we're going to take him still if, if he wants to come here. <laughs> yeah, I'd have him. So. By any means necessary. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, red card rule. Uh, are you for a red card system? I know in this case the umpire didn't see it. And uh, I mean, what? All right. We'll ask the first question. Are you in favour of a um, Super Magard, Are you in favour of a red card rule if it's something that's blatantly in front of a, an umpire for them to get sent no. off? No, I'm in favour of clubbing people at the tribunal. <laughs> yeah. If they do it, and not literally, not eye for an eye. <laughs> retribution uh but no i'm not in favor of a red card rule I, I will i'll listen to the case if they can tell me who's going to do it is it going to be a field umpire is it going to be a video umpire uh how long you get to decide how when you're going to send the person off uh but i think it's just fraught with fraught with danger uh, like for instance jeremy cameron when he slaughtered uh harris andrews that's a, a few red weeks card. ago now, but but would you argue that that's that was just in the play? Like we all know what it was. I, I think yeah. we, we could all see through to to what it was. But yeah. in the in the snap of the moment, do we say that that's a red card, um, or do we spend ten minutes going forward and back on the video while he's still playing before someone makes a call and says, "Nah, that was a raised elbow. You did it at the last minute. You're off," um, or? Is it just left uh, in play incidents not covered? Um, that's probably the only time that I could potentially agree with it if you took out in play incidents and just concentrated on off the ball incidents like this. But yeah, and it would also be like, what if someone did a striking action which, um, you know, hit a person but didn't quite knock them out? So is it is it only red card if? one team loses a player or is it a red card yeah, for exactly. certain acts? You have to so do medical. The medical guys have to do a fill in a report on the side. You know, how again, how long do you wait um, into the game? You know, can you clobber someone with five minutes to go and still play out the rest of the game? Because somewhere they're writing reports and viewing video and trying to decide whether or not to send you off. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot, uh, <laughs> a lot, uh, a lot of... Uh, Grey areas there that, um, yeah, I don't think we're, I don't think that'll ever come in. Um, well, even the, the, a few weeks ago, was it the Frio guy who did the, you know, the, the tackle and knocked the guy out? Um, I think it was a port player yeah. or vice versa, got knocked out. 
Yeah, it's Robbie Gray like, got knocked out. Are we pulling a red for that, or is that okay because it was a tackle and we don't know if it was malicious or not? Like, that's probably even another step on from the Cameron one where you could probably pretty quickly come to a decision on yeah. that one. Uh, whereas this one, you could drive someone into the ground and it's going to be a case of do we give them a red or not? Uh, I, I can't. Yeah, like I said, I would consider the case if it was off-the-ball incidents, but definitely not for in-play incidents. But the tribunal should clean people up. Yeah, I think they've got to clean up the, the jumper punch and the gut, gut punch, or more so the gut punches um, as well. And they're, I don't think they're doing enough there. Uh, George on the outer says, Sydney embraced uh, Tony Lockett after out, eyeing out Peter Caven. So, um, I think they... Got rid of Peter Caven, that helped. <laughs> yeah, to get Tony Lockett. Now, do, you remember, do you remember Peter Caven went on the Andrew yes. Denton show yeah. and, then and clubbed to... a Tony Lockett effigy with a baseball bat? And then had to apologise to Tony Lockett afterwards. Correct, <laughs> by, which by the time, I reckon, he would already been, he'd already gone to, do you go to Fitzroy or Adelaide or something? He, he, he definitely went somewhere else. Um, but yeah, he still had to come out and apologise. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, D, D Old Fart says no red cards for him. Uh, AFL can't even get the score reviews 100% correct. That was crazy that uh, that's the Adelaide, uh, Port Adelaide game because to me that was clearly that was clearly a poster and even the score review couldn't get that uh, right. We're not going to be able to tell if the fist hit the head or not. Helped well the the score of that score review helped the D's. Uh, so yeah. I'm not going to complain about that, but it was clearly a point. Absolutely, that that I don't want to get into the ladder predictors early, but that yeah. set up the Port Adelaide collapse theory. Yes, uh, very nicely. Yes, I believe I've been saying that for weeks. Um, I talked it down a few weeks ago, but now I'm in. It'll be the, we'll talk about later, but that West Coast Port game will be very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I believe West Coast can't play away from home. The old Hobart uh, theory, even though uh, Port Adelaide is a lot closer, I don't think they can play away from home. Um, Casey, uh, Supercardo, I, I did you see any of the Casey game this week? Uh, no, I, not, oh, I didn't. Don't know if it was televised, but I, uh, yeah, I know they thumped the Northern Blues by about ninety points. Uh, so, like the seniors, it's pretty hard to take anything uh, particular out of it. Uh, I did see Cameron Pedersen had a truckload of touches, which is interesting for the potential of him coming in for Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about putting someone in as sort of a who's who's really an emergency option. But at the same time, we probably are in that situation, having lost Lever, Hibbert and Smith, that we're down to the emergencies. Um, so he could do a job, and he could also be good insurance if we do have to send McDonald back. Then he could go forward instead. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised if we did that move. Um, uh, Drunken167 was going to call in about Casey. So if you are, and he was in the uh, chat room earlier... Uh, if you do want to uh, give us a call in and just give us a quick rundown on uh, any of the D's listed players that uh, could potentially come in, uh, give us a call. You know the numbers. Or if anyone else wants to give a call, zero three nine zero one six three triple six. I do have. He's calling in now. Uh, or Demonland thirty one. Um, drunken. I uh, hope I got the sound up. Uh, g- good evening. How are you? 
Good evening, guys. How are we doing tonight? Doing really well. Um, it's been a long time. Uh, where have you been? We've, we've, <laughs> yeah. Each week, yeah. each week we Sorry. get to the Casey report, and uh, none of us have seen the game, and, <laughs> and we're waiting for you to call in, and uh, yeah. you haven't called in. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've been. I'm sorry busy. about that. I accepted a new job a couple of months ago, and I've been uh, working a lot of night shifts, particularly Wednesday. So that's my bad. Well, how dare you uh, work, <laughs> work for a living? <laughs> so, what, what can you tell us? Uh, who who stood out in this game? Obviously, uh, Pedersen with the 31 possessions. Uh, where was he playing, by the way? Because he has uh, been he, playing. He played as uh, key defender the whole game. Wow, so that's, um, yeah. Well, to, just to, to preface, it was against yes. Carlton. And they had lost, actually, a couple of their gun midfielders just before the game started. Uh, even, like, their captain and a couple of the AFL blokes ended up playing in the seniors. So, similar to the Suns, they were decimated. Well, when you say just, gun, uh, how gun were they? <laughs> uh, well, their captain, their VFL captain, was out of the game. Um who else was out? And then I can't remember the other two, but there were two of not like senior Carlton players, but players that were like the regular midfielders yeah, for yeah. the Northern Blues. So it was, yeah, it was no surprise that, that we destroyed them. <laughs> um, yeah, so Patterson, like, as I said, it was easy, but he just, they played with either four or five forwards for the whole game. So he was just able to mop it up every time the ball came anywhere near him. Interesting that he's been playing in defence, and we've sort of noted that uh, for the last couple of weeks because obviously they're they're sort of keeping him uh, as that in that role uh, just in case things fall down in the seniors. Uh, we've got another big man we can uh, bring in uh, in defence, and they are yeah <laughs> in, in our defensive stocks. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So like Goody has said uh, in a press art that. Because our backline has suffered a couple of injuries, that they needed to improve that depth a little bit, and um, so they put Pedersen back for the last two months. He's been playing in defence, and he's, his form's been great. Um, so I think if they are looking at bringing in another proper defender, I'm pretty sure that Pedo will get the gig. Um, how did uh, how did your your brother uh, go this week? Yeah, their deck was. Out of the Melbourne list of players, Deck was probably the second best on behind Pedo. Um, he had the job of basically shutting down Casbolt for the day. Is Casbolt playing in their twos? Yeah, he, he's, he's been um, hasn't been in the best of form. I think he's been playing the twos for a few weeks now. So Deck started. So we won the toss, which means we had the wind in the first quarter. Uh, so Deck started in the back line, and then after about a minute, Casbolt drifted to the Carlton defence and the runner come out and said to Deck, how about you just follow Casbolt and stay with him the whole game? So when we were with the wind, Declan was forward and when we were against, we were, he was defending. So he just stayed down the one end the whole game, basically staying on Casbolt the whole time. So manning him up when they were going forward and then making him accountable as a defender when we were going forward and Deck was all over him. I think Casbolt... Quick look at my stats. Caswell only had eight touches of the game and was scoreless. Where Deck had fourteen touches and kicked two goals on him. <laughs> so nice. he um just uh, there was one particular play. It was right at the end of the game. Only a couple of minutes to go. He was on the wing. Caswell had a good two or three meters on Deck and he was completely out of position. Deck managed to close the gap 
get the spoil in and then affect the mark and then as the motion of him affecting the mark ran in front and managed to kick away and Kazbolt just sort of stood there and couldn't really do anything under I think that probably says more about Kazbolt than Deck, but no, he, he was very good in the weekend. Nice. Nice. So, uh, I don't know. Do, do you reckon, uh, I saw in the chat room, you uh, someone asked the question whether you think he'll get another um, contract uh, coming into next year. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, someone asked me this during the week on the forums, and it's hard for me to not to not be biased, but I think he really deserves another contract. Like, my fear is because he hasn't debuted yet, and this has been his second year, that they won't give him another contract, but he's the last two or three months he's consistently been the best for the Melbourne guys in the twos. He's played on uh, a few of the AFL listed boys so a couple of weeks ago. They had a good win against Geelong in the curtain razor, and he played on Buzzer and kept Buzzer to six touches and no goals. And he's, He started the season slow because he had a couple of injuries and stuff, but he's finished really strongly. So I hope, Mel, I really, really hope they give him another contract. I think he deserves it, and at least... I want to see him at least debut and to see if he has what it takes at that level because it would it would be pretty sucky if he if he can't even if he doesn't get a debut if they delist him. And I think if Lever's going to be out for at least the first few weeks of next season, uh, it's good to have another another defender in the bank just in case. Yeah, I think so. Too. And like he's as I said, he's, he's he hasn't been playing bad footy. He still seems to be improving, and I think that's what Melbourne look for as long as you're improving they'll sort of keep giving you a shot and I guess uh, some of the other players that uh, it's sort of important for us to look at how did Hunty do uh, this week um, so what, watching the game I didn't really notice him a lot he, did a, he had 21 touches and 7 tackles which is a decent game out especially coming back after I think it was a 6 week injury um, but Goody said during the weekend, from just my observations, he definitely needs at least a few weeks to sort of get back into form because he's been he's been out of form. And like I love Hunty, like when he's up and about, he's one of my favourite players to watch. But he has been out of form uh, this year, and so I think it's going to take him a couple of weeks, especially after the injury, to, to sort of put his name back in for selection. So who who comes in for Smith? Is it, is it Pedersen or is it uh, someone like Josh Wagner? Yeah, so it really depends what they do. So, if, as I said, if they want another true defender, Pedro's form has just been too good not to play him. Um, but others have said, they've talked about swinging a few into the back line, so maybe Fritsch goes back and they can replace him. So if Melksham still isn't right, uh, I think Kent's might be a possibility. He was the carryover emergency on the weekend, and he, his form before that was, was pretty good. Um, Wagner was pretty good in the weekend. He had... 23 touches and 11 tackles. So that that's, it was a very strong game. Um, but I think, yeah, Malksham, Pedersen and Kent are probably the three ones that might come in. And how about uh, our forward uh, brigade in the in the twos? Uh, how, how's Smith and, um, and Wiedemann tracking? Yeah, Sammy had a great game. Um, 24 despite Joel's two goals. Uh, he went into the ruck. A little bit after King went down with a knee injury, uh, seven marks. I thought a few of his marks and a few of his his leading again. It's against Carlton and they were yeah. horrible. Um, but no, Sammy was good. Um, and Tim Smith. 
I'm just looking for his stats. Yeah, so yeah, about the same. So he had 21 touches, uh, eight tackles himself, and a couple of marks. Didn't kick a goal. Um, yeah, because he was he was good, but not not up there with the best of them. And uh, Wagner's brother, I noticed he kicked four goals. Uh, how's he been going the last yeah. few? I've noticed he's going to pop up a lot in the bests the last few weeks. I was going to I was going to talk about this. I have absolutely no idea why the Kangaroos delisted Wagner. He he has been unbelievable in the twos. I'm pretty sure he'd be favourite, if not close to being favourite, to win the VFL Best and Ferris this year. He's been unbelievable. I said he had 26 touches, 10 tackles and four goals. That is like an unbelievable performance. Um, and he's been doing this consistently all year. Um, yeah, as I said, I had no idea why the Kangaroos delisted him, and I'm pretty sure he's probably going to get picked up next year. Where does he Where does he play? What's his uh, natural position? Um, he plays as an outside mid. That's his... He sort of rotates half forward, midfield, half back. Um, but that that outside mid forward, so it's like uh, similar to Petrarca, probably. Mm. So Petrarca plays that that forward and then swaps into the midfield. That's what that's what Corey does. It's mm. interesting. Wonder if uh, the D's will have a look. It wouldn't be, well, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Like honestly, the, the way that he's been playing, I'm pretty sure a lot of clubs will be looking at him. Interesting. Uh, anything else? Anyone else uh, stand out? Um, just quickly look through that. So, Kingy unfortunately went. I'm not sure the severity of it. He uh, hurt his knee in about third quarter. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything on the Melbourne website or anything in the media just describing how bad his injury is. So, well, I heard uh, on Misson's uh, injury report they said it wasn't an ACL. Um, so I guess that's a, a good thing. Um, I can't remember Baker as well. Him. Yeah, well, that was he's, disappointing. Uh, yeah. So because obviously he's had a pretty good year, and people were thinking he might get a debut. Uh, but to see a fairly severe hamstring injury, hopefully he doesn't miss too much because we can really use him in the the VFL final series coming up. Well, they're saying six weeks. So um, how many more weeks to the um, to the VFL are they? Um, same as the AFL. Yeah. So yeah. well, it's. They got three weeks, three rounds of the season left, and they don't have a buy coming into finals like the AFL do. So, it's yeah, it's, it's going to be very tight if he actually comes back and plays or not. Yeah. How's the depth at Casey given that now now Joel Smith's going to have to be uh, covered as well? Uh, how much have they got in reserve to cover the AFL players? Yeah, I think Casey will be fine. Um, the, the VFL listed boys themselves are, are very good. They've got Jay Lockhart, Tasmania boys playing very good. Um, Machaya had a very good game on the weekend. And there's still uh, a few boys. Angus Scott, who was a regular the last few years, he didn't play on the weekend. So I think Casey will be more than fine coming up into the end of the season. I saw Mitch Hannon played, but didn't look like he, uh, he had 18 disposals. Um so coming after a couple of weeks on the sidelines. Um. Yeah, he started, his first quarter was uh, very, very strong. I was watching, he had the first clearance of the game and a few marks and a, a few really good touches out of the centre. And I thought, okay, he's on, he's going to have a great game. but sort of quietened down uh, after quarter time, which was a bit disappointing because when he's up and about, he's a very good player. Uh, I'm just looking at stats, but I'm disappointed to see Dion Johnston uh, seven disposals. Um, 
we're talking about the listings at the end of the year, you'd think um, his name might come up. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I've said before, yeah, I really I like Dowan. I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> and look, he might have only had seven touches, but from what I saw, most of them were pretty pretty good touches. Like, they were important. But, uh, yeah, seven, especially coming against a team like Carlton, you need to be doing a bit more than that. Yeah. All right, uh, anything else, Drunken? Uh, We've got um, one question in the chat room about okay. Bug. How, how's he oh, going? Yes, Bug. Yeah, he's sort of up and down. Some weeks he comes out and he has really good games. On the weekend he was relatively quiet. He only had 13, 13 touches. Um, and I, watching the game live, I didn't really notice him. So I'm not really sure what's going on with Bucky. Hopefully we'll see he comes uh, against Sandy this week and see how he goes. Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, Uh for the report, it's always much appreciated. Better than us just reading, uh, <laughs> reading the, the, the match report from Casey from Casey to uh, get all of our information. So, always good to have a man on the spot for us. Thank you. No worries, guys. You have a good one. All right, cheers. That was uh, that was drunken one six seven brother of uh, demons listed player Declan Kilty. Um, Always good for a report uh, about Casey. So our injury list, uh, obviously, um, uh, Joel Smith out this week. Melksham, well, we don't know. It's uh, 50-50 whether he comes back. Uh, Hibbard's still a week away. Uh, Now Oscar Baker's out for six weeks. um, And the rest of the guys um, of seasons. And I guess it's just just look at it on the injury list. Super, how disappointed uh, are you surprised about Viney um, that's now come out that uh, he won't be back before the end of the home and away season? Does that surprise you? I'm disappointed but not surprised. Yeah. Uh, I think the whole time I've, I've been expecting the worst the worst possible scenario on that. So if he, if he was to come back for the finals, A, we'd be in them, and B, <laughs> I would be very satisfied to see him again this season. Um, but I certainly don't want them to rush it. Uh, and risk putting him back again. I don't, I don't even. I can't even at the moment contemplate September action um, at the moment. Not because I don't believe we can make. I just. I, just know, seems I, so uh, unnatural. Yes. So, <laughs> I, like, I want to sort of ask the question: If we are playing the first week of September, does he and he's fit? Uh, does he come straight back into the team? But maybe let's not answer that question until we're actually... Yeah, well, given that we've got three games against decent teams, decent to very good teams over the next three weeks, at least we'll get, should we make it, a very good look at the players we've got now. It's not like you know, Geelong, for instance, plays Fremantle and Gold Coast at home in their last two games, yeah, yeah. and they'll just pulverise both of them. Um, how do you get a, how do you, get a um, you know, look at the finals credentials of a player in a in a situation like that whereas should we get in um they're going to have been through the fire and we'll know if there's anyone who needs to go out for viney no oh, absolutely uh so in terms of changes this week who would you uh who would you see as coming in or going well out? i would have had hunt but he's yeah. he's been talked down in the uh, in the vfl report there so um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to do a dramatic switch from, I originally had Hunt, but now I'm going to say Pedersen. Uh, Pedersen for Smith. Uh, and then Melksham, hopefully, but if not Melksham, then Kent uh, for Kennedy Harris. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and I did toss up Vandenberg on that as well because no, it's nothing on on Vandenberg's yeah. performance, but it's just I just think that neither of those they both play a role. They both go all right, but I just feel that we need someone who can make the play more yeah. um, than sort of be on the end of it or be more of a defensive player. Um, so I could go the other way as well. Um, obviously, we had that, that talk last week about Candy Harris supposedly being the defensive forward mastermind. Well, uh, he... So if there's something that the, the coaches see that's important, then I guess they could uh, keep him in. Yeah, he's a bit up and down for me because he had a, I thought he had a great game against uh, Adelaide was fairly quiet uh, this week so yeah i don't know um i'm on the i'm on the fence with him but uh, obviously if milksham's in it's it's milksham if it's between him and milksham it's milksham every day of the week Caden, yeah. uh, what about you uh well yeah hopefully milksham comes back i think he's um you know he can kick goals and i don't know he sort of plays like a I'd put Hannon and Fritch in that sort of category where he can sort of play tall and smallish, like obviously not like the pace and the tackling pressure of like a, a Kennedy Hunt. Um, just speaking on Pedersen, he's he's such a, a good team player. Like he's just one of those players that, you know, with Joel Smith down, he could come in and give the back line a chop out when Gorney goes down. You know, he, he gives the ruck when... Well, he, you know, he competes in the ruck and can play forward. So he's one of those players that if he is like in, like on the ins, um, come team selection, you're not disappointed as a D's fan. But I've been pretty happy um, the last few weeks when we've had no changes and stuff like that. Obviously, there's a forced change this week, but it's been the first time in a little while where we've got a consistent 22. So uh, yeah, obviously, Malsham, yeah, hopefully he can come in and then. Maybe Pedersen for Smith. I think that was what was said earlier as well. Yep, I agree. Um, uh, just some other things before we talk run home and ladder predictions. Um, so we had a long-running thread that's been on Demon Land about embarrassing records. And, you know, as we've gone along on this rebuild, we've ticked uh, almost all of them off the ladder, obviously. Uh, finals... Uh, is still a big one and winning a final uh, and then, you know, obviously the ultimate uh, winning a grand final. But Sydney, uh, Super Mercado, you'd, uh, you'd know the proper stats. Our last win, I think, was 2010. Um, was Yeah, the, the Ds are going to be something special yeah. game. Um, <laughs> and we, we really thought they were, but apparently not. Uh, yeah, so that was the last one. And we've had a few, uh, we've had a few shockers. Well, we had, in the a, meantime. we had a draw with them after that, so I guess yep. that's all right. That <laughs> was okay. Uh, then <laughs> and we, we got point whacked by about 110 points in Sydney and some Irish bloke yeah. at the time of his life and kicked a couple of goals and was never seen again. <laughs> and um, we and we've had a couple of century. other yeah, beatings against them. Yeah, yeah, Caden's uh, right. Uh, how that was the mark. Uh, that was a great mark. Yes, but, he, but, uh, but the score kept yeah. being shown in yes. the top corner. <laughs> yes. So you didn't really want to see the mark because <laughs> it showed that we were like 81 to 9 down at the time. <laughs> and that oh, that was the other that was the last time a player got in trouble for smiling after the game. Oh, Sylvia got that? bored. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um so that yeah that's uh probably and not only that record we've got a, a pretty poor record not having beaten them in 7 years or 8 years coming up now. Um but also Sydney's the only team we haven't beaten since the 18-team competition came in. So I think there's only a couple of clubs that haven't 
uh, taken out the the clean sweep of all the teams since uh, then. Um, we're one of them, um, so hopefully we can get a full set of uh, AFL teams, all having beaten all eighteen teams since the eighteen team competition has been in effect. It would be an excellent time to uh, to ruin that that uh, unfortunate record because if we don't win this week then we are going to be digging out of a, uh, a ironically when we're sitting fourth on the ladder i think we're going to be digging out of a hole it's yeah a, it's a it's a bit of a shame we don't have them at the scg because they've been pretty awful at the scg this year so yeah. and we've no, been average at, at the, the mcg <laughs> oh, we've, yeah. we've slaughtered a couple of uh, minnows what's their record at the g i know they beat hawthorne their um Beat Hawthorne there earlier on in the year. Uh, that was when that uh, what's his name? That his first Ronky. game, Ronky, uh kicked a kicked a bag. Um, I don't know. Have they played there again this year? I know they've played at Etihad a couple of times. They've uh, no. That was their one and only game at the MCG so far this year. Perfect record. Great. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they only scored seventy nine, despite. The Ronky Tonk Man kicking six seven, or seven. Seven, I think he kicked in his. He kicked seven of their twelve, and they still only scored seventy nine points. So, you would like to think that if a team scores seventy nine, we can probably score a hundred and nine. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a massive challenge. Um, I think that the Swans have such a good top end of their team. Uh, I'm not sure the bottom end is uh, is all that much chop, but the top end certainly helps them helps hold them up. Um, I watched uh, quite a bit of their game against uh, Collingwood and I I wasn't impressed with them. I uh, wasn't impressed with Collingwood either, but Collingwood were obviously uh, the walking wounded. They've got uh, quite a lot of injuries. Uh, but I wasn't impressed with Sydney, So, um, but they managed no, to get the win. Nor, nor was I. I'm concerned about the fact that Alira Lear is the number one intercept mark player in the league over the last however many weeks. Uh, there is high potential for us to feed him about 15 intercept marks well, if, we're if we just hoof it in. inside 50. So let's hope that someone makes him accountable. Yeah. Um, well, before we talk the run home, uh, the results that happened this week. Now, uh, happy, not happy uh, with the other results. Uh, how did you want the Essendon-Hawthorne game to go? Uh, there was sort of, seemed to be on Demonland a bit of uh, some people wanted Essendon, some people wanted Hawthorne, but uh, I definitely wanted Essendon Essendon to win that game. Considering they've got uh, Richmond and Port still to come. uh, And no percentage. Yeah, and and no percentage. Uh, I can't believe anyone um, wanted uh, Hawthorne to win. No, that that was was a shocker of a day for uh, for us. The Um, Adelaide, the Adelaide, Fiasco that paid off. In well, our that paid off. That was good. Um, but the Brisbane one—that oh. was the—that was the worst. And not only that, they ha- had the chance to sew up the game. And yep. uh, what do you think about that? The the around the corner kick. Um, are you in favour of that, uh, or just going back and kicking a normal drop punt? I, I would say I'd be in favour of kicking the normal drop punt, but um, obviously the players know better. Tom Tom McDonald tried exactly the same thing the next day. Uh, and that was one of his misses. So this, the question is whether he, sh- he should have gone back and put it through. <laughs> the funny thing is with, with Rayner, he actually kicked a ripper of a goal earlier in that quarter. You know, set shot, 
40 meters, 50 meters, kicked the set shot beautifully. Um, but I think when he took, when he had that right in front with 30 seconds left, I thought, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> uh, with our record for uh, after the siren yeah. and, and end of game kicks, I know exactly where this is going. And boop, across the face it went. So, how did that game then affect everything to come? Um, well, it, it, North have a not an easy run home. They got the Bulldogs who they should beat. They yeah. got Adelaide in Adelaide, which is probably a fifty-fifty. And, and I don't think not, I don't think Adelaide are the type of team to lie down like a, a Frio against Geelong. <laughs> they're just gonna yeah. It, lie it would down. be nice if they could uh, fire up then because North then plays St Kilda in the last well, round. That, that's a so lay down. <laughs> if they had lost that game to Brisbane, I would have said they would be in big trouble. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't, they, I reckon they would have been the team that gets to 13 because I still reckon someone's going to get to 13 and miss out. I reckon it would have been them. Um, so it's really that, – that Adelaide game is really important to us, just like the Port Adelaide West Coast game is. Um, vital that we get the right result in that to make it as easy as possible for us um, and to try and insulate against any – absolute fiasco where we win 13 games and have a percentage of 128 or something and still miss the finals. What, what, so what, the, of the games uh, this round, uh, what, what, what do we want happening? Uh, first games, Essendon, St Kilda, I don't think It doesn't really doesn't matter, affect, but we may as well get St Kilda some form yeah, before, yeah. They play, uh, <laughs> yeah. before they play Hawthorne and um, North. It's absolutely imperative um, that Hawthorne win. Would you say? Yeah, I, look, I had, I, I was almost prepared to concede Hawthorne, to concede Hawthorne, knowing just to concede Geelong, we're going to make it. Um, but having done the numbers again, yes, I've got that. Even if they win, even if they beat, I've got them beating Fremantle by eighty well, and Gold Coast by eighty, uh, and they still would fall short of us on percentage by about four points. So I, I've switched now, and uh, yes, I'll be, I'll be backing in the Hawks. Uh, Gold Coast Richmond doesn't matter. Um, nope. Richmond have sewn up top spot. Uh, so the Port West Coast, big game. Yeah, it, it depends. It depends which version of our future well, you're looking well, at. The people who are who are clinging on to a top four. Well, the top uh, there's dream. The, there's the top two, top dream, two dream as well. But uh, would obviously that's um, three want wins. Port to win. But those of us who are just trying to get us in there by hook or by crook uh, certainly want Port to to lose and to lose demoralizingly because we want them uh, we want them going downhill in a million miles an hour against Collingwood and Essendon in the last two games. They've probably got the second hardest run home behind us. Yeah. Uh, Collingwood, uh, Brisbane, no-brainer. Brisbane, we want to win that. Really I, 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 I suck at that. But, but you know what? Brisbane but, uh, playing all right. Um, good good form at the moment, but I don't think so. No, no, I and I guess that puts Collingwood Port Adelaide into... It potentially not as bad if Port win, if Collingwood have lost as well. So Collingwood lose two in a row, they might drop back into the the um, danger zone as well. Is there any chance Adelaide can knock off GWS? Does that does the GWS? How does that help us? Uh, them GWS losing is that not even a factor? Besides position in top four, is, but they play Sydney in the second last game. So if they were to lose both of those. Um, it could end up as a an in out game versus them, 
in the last in the last round. Oh, the AFL oh, would love no. AFL would yeah. love that. That's what they they. I was want. pleased to see during the week that Scully's out for the season. Yes, well, so that, <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about that, but yes. there's no fiasco of uh, him kicking a goal after the uh, siren. Can you see. imagine? Can you imagine? I think there would be there would be a stand torn down at, at the G. So actually, this week there's a lot of it's a lot yeah. of good guys. This is a, the AFL must North be North Melbourne Bulldogs. Yeah, Bulldog so, is just well, crucial. Um, based on their so. based on their capitulation last week, I can't see that happening. But maybe that will maybe that will fire them up. Hopefully, North uh, North come in tired after their uh, adventures in Brisbane. And then no brainer for our game. Um, yeah, must the most win. important game of the year. Must win. <laughs> if, if we don't win this, we have to win the last two to be sure yeah. of getting in. And yeah. even then, oh. I don't think it's a hundred percent sure. If every other result goes, if every other reasonable result goes against us, um, but hurting Sydney, like basically, I've got I've got us on my ladder predicted coming eighth now, and Sydney coming tenth. So if you swap the wins. We go down to twelve. They go up to thirteen. Um, they would actually still miss, and that would put Geelong into the eight, uh, into eighth. I've got I've got a very optimistic uh, ladder predictor in front of me now. I've got the uh, three three wins uh, to round off the season, and us finishing in second. I'll, I'll prefer yours. <laughs> Jeez, that'd be all right. That would be uh, something special. <laughs> well, I've got us playing a final against Collingwood, so I've, I've set it up for spectacle. This, co- this coming from the most pessimistic Melbourne supporter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, West Coast are not totally, um, you know, unbeatable in Perth. Like, look at that ridiculous game where Essendon were about 50 nil up on them. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was in yeah. Perth, yeah. You know, now you've got Kennedy won't be, Kennedy will be out, Gaff will be out. Yeah, it looks like um, Nat Nui. Nat Nui, like Gorn will just run riot against whatever second-rate, uh, you know, fill-in they've got doing that. So it's not entirely out of the question, but I would very much like to be going into that game thinking if we win, that confirms it. Yeah. If we yeah. win and 100% be in, and that's what we need this week, um, and preferably having North um, and Geelong having lost as well to give us that extra... Uh, there, there are scenarios that get us into that last round without it actually... or get us into that last day of the season without it actually meaning anything. And that's what I want. On how many wins? Without having I think the if we wins? Win, even if we just win... Uh, I I've done so many permutations <laughs> yes. that I can't even remember now, but there was, there was a scenario in that last week where we can go into that game and it doesn't matter what happens in that game and it doesn't matter what happens in any of the games on that Sunday... Oh, that we that can be, be comfortably at least inside the eight. Um, maybe it. Maybe we need to win to finish fourth potentially. That's um, my. That's 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 my goal. That's what I want. Uh, yeah. If we can't win all three, but we're, if we're in a position based on other results to to not be able to fall out, but winning and putting us into the top four, that. But we ha- we have to win this week because we have to yeah. hit a knockout blow on Sydney. Yeah. Because their percentage is low, much lower than ours, so if if we lose this week, that's another team that could potentially roll in the in the in the mix at the end. Whereas they've got GWS and Hawthorne in the last two. Um, on my ladder predictor, if if we were to beat them this week, they can win one of those two, and they're still going to finish below us by miles on percentage. Yeah. So it is absolutely hundred percent crucial to win this week. 
uh, more so than any game other than round 23 last year, which was, you know, winning in um, than any other game in the last, you know, 10, 12 years. <sighs> what what is what is uh, the feelings that you guys have going into this week? Because I sort of had a, you know, it's too good to be true feeling last year. And it was one of those ones where, you know, the unthinkable had to happen for us to not make the finals when I went to the game against Collingwood. But a large part of me just knew, like, it's not over yet. We just, you know, we've got to get this win and then we can relax. And a lot of my mates during the week were like, oh, you guys are going to make the finals, you know. haven't seen them for ages, finals footy. And I almost got caught up in it. But being a Melbourne supporter, you know, it's not – anything can happen. Um, Yeah, don't trust anyone. Yeah, so so how how do you guys feel going into this week? Well, I I can see – I can see both things happening. I can see yeah. us having one of those games where we just like uh, I don't know uh, the, if you remember the preliminary final against North Melbourne. Now I have no recollection of what my feeling was going into the game, but I just remember during the game when we had sort of even by half time, I think we had sort of sown it. We were playing well. I can just see us just kicking lots of goals and the crowd going nuts, but then I can see us playing like we did against Sydney last year on that Friday night and just getting yeah. blown blown away. So I don't know. I I know that our team is talented and if things are going right, we can destroy teams, but things can go horribly wrong with this Melbourne team too. So. Yeah, even the, any win will do in this case. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. Because it's so crucial to, to keep them to keep them down and bias that insurance that they can win against GWS or Hawthorne and it's not going to not going to affect us. Well, I, I think we – I'm not sure we deserve to be as red-hot favourites as we are. What's the – I don't um, know what the betting is. What is it? Oh, it was quite sure. It was you know, forty-five or something like that. Mm. Um, it was very much in favour of us. Uh, I'm not sure if I would subscribe to that. Uh, but at the same time, I think we do we, – we're allowed to at least think we – can beat Sydney. I'm still not sure yeah. if I think we can make the finals. Still not sure if what we've seen in the, the last week translates to to beating any of the really good teams. But this might be famous last words, but I don't think Sydney are one of the really good teams this year. Um, so I think this is the, the the opportunity we need to take um, going into the last two games. There you go. In the chat room, we're at dollar thirty five now. The, all the money's coming for the D's. Jeez. <laughs> That's always a bad sign. <laughs> it usually, yeah, usually we're that kind of red hot favourite against a team that's like sixteenth on the ladder, and then we lose to them. So I don't know how to take it against a team that's in top eight contention. I'm really excited. Like, I, it's I can't remember being in this position in a season for for years and years, and it, it's such a it seems almost new. Like it seems almost brand new that. You know, we're talking finals and even when, you know, we're sitting fourth with three games to go, that is just something I've never really experienced. I'm excited for Sunday. I just have a feeling I reckon we'll get it done. And, and like, I, I don't know. I, I reckon it might send a statement and I'm, I hope I don't put the moz on it or anything <laughs> like that. But I'm really excited about this list. And I don't know. I just have a feeling something good's about to happen on Sunday. Yeah, I'd love to finish off the year rather than limping into finals or even, oh God forbid, not making it. 
I, I want to make a. I don't want to limp into finals if we do make it. I, I want to go in making a statement, and if that means winning two or three, <laughs> then that's what you want to do. Uh, yeah. yeah. But then again, I'm very. Uh, how did, oh, we're not even going to talk yeah, about it. It's hard not to be scarred <laughs> after last year. We've seen it all before. Yeah. <laughs> even the year before, when we were an, a very much outside chance of making it, we just had to, to beat Carlton, Carlton and then pfft, down we went to Carlton. Yeah. Um, you know, this will be the. It's, it's varying degrees of severity, the third season in a row. Um, yeah. where we've been in the mix at this time of the year. Um, and it's going to start wearing a bit thin. Um, and I don't think <laughs> you can pin this at all on players or coaches. You know, if this team wins, they've won 12 games. If they win 13 and miss the finals, and, and anyone seems to suggest that, uh, you know, the coach should be sacked or something, they can just be totally uh, ignored well, well, for no, the rest of time. You know what? I don't think you can because, like, I've got a ladder predictor here where uh, this is the optimistic one that I've put us in second. Uh, but just looking at all the other teams, um, you've got uh, – well, GWS have the – they're on 14.5, but then you've got 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th all on 14 wins. So yep. if we miss the finals because there's six teams on – 14 wins yep. or, or, you know, there's third, you know, we're 13 and there's 14 above. That's, I mean, when was the last time eighth position was on 14 wins? Has it ever exactly. happened? Well, so, the only team ever to, well, no team has ever missed the finals two years in a row with 12 wins or more. So, yeah. so I don't think you can call sacking, sacking no. the coach. I mean, that, uh, that's like when, that. um, when Richmond fans wanted to kill Damien Hardwick because Richmond couldn't win a final. And it was like, kind of like, yeah, but you're getting to the finals. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you got to take that. You got to take the 22 weeks that lead to that final. That I know they lost one in a thriller, um, particularly against North. I think they lost another one in a thriller against Carlton when they blew a big lead. You can't just go. You didn't win a final, therefore we're going to sack you. Like that's just stupidity to me. Yeah. So, so I'm probably you know Goodwin's now. <laughs> he's done. He can't finish 50-50 or worse. For his record this season, so he's going to be at least 24, 20 over two seasons. Um, there's things that I question from a uncultured perspective, um, and there's stuff that I reckon we can do better. But you know, the record speaks for itself, considering where, where we've come from. And then when you chuck in, so 12, 12 wins at the moment, but you know, 13, 14 maybe for the year. But then there's been games that we could have pinched this year that could have added to that. So it's not like, you know, we've you know we won games but then got absolutely blown out um, in the games we've lost, like there's, which we have. But, um, well, two games, two games this year, really. Um, yeah, not two. Yeah, it hasn't been. There hasn't been those real mm. deep thrashings. It's the Richmond and the Hawthorne game. Yeah, um, even the Collingwood. If we pinched the one twice and pinched the one against Port, you know, we're almost a top four team, so yeah. And I think this year it's such like it's the most exciting finals race probably ever in the top eight history of the top eight, yeah. um, which unfortunately isn't isn't really being talked about much, except by the people who are in it because we're all too busy complaining about the rules and you know spectacle and stuff like that. But it is like someone is going to get screwed royally um, in this race, um, and I'm hoping it's you know a North Melbourne will just go will just bomb out. Like, they got away with it last week. I'm hoping they'll just hit the floor and just plummet out of contention. Um, but otherwise, 
yeah, like I said, I've got us, I've got us eighth on thirteen wins, and only finishing sort of four percent in front of, in front of Geelong. So, you know, if I if I crank it up a bit and uh, you know give Geelong a hundred and twenty point win, we against Gold Coast, we only finish point six in front of them. So, you know, there's I a chance th- that I, I... We, we, we could have to beat uh, or have to get within a certain margin of GWS. It could be like the end of last season all over again, watching percentages. Yeah, I don't think my heart could take that. <laughs> no. Uh, at least at least this time, if it all goes to that last game, it will be halfway over before our, when our game finishes. We don't have to wait 24 hours to watch a, our fate be put in another's hands. Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> That again. Uh, um, anything else, boys? Uh, I'm filled with fear, <laughs> but I'm also filled with hope. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm at that. I, I like. I know. I know we've got a good. We've got a good team, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, we've got three weeks now against quality opposition. Um, this year we've been accused like we're in top we're in the top four, but everyone's saying, "Well, you haven't beaten anyone." Well, now this is we've got the three weeks to yep. prove ourselves. Um, and I want to get this one in the bag, and people will still say, "Well, Sydney's out of the eight. <laughs> so yeah, we'll anyone. say we'll say see you in September. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, Caden, thank you very much for joining us. Do you want to plug anything, your, your YouTube channels or, or any of your social medias? Uh, yeah, okay. I'll give a couple of things a plug. So if you just want to, um, if you type in Caden uh, McDonald, C-A-D-E-N, on YouTube, you'll find uh, a lot of footy-related content. There's a couple of AFL parodies, some songs and some goal-kicking challenges with my mates. Or um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's kados38. There's some footy content up on there as well. Excellent. Um, Super Mercado, you want to plug your usual uh, stuff? Absolutely. You can get uh, get the blog at demonblog.com. You can get me on Twitter at demonblog. Uh, and you can go to Demon Wiki again for all your uh, obscure Melbourne Football Club uh, history-related items. As I just remembered... We didn't talk about the most important thing, and that is uh, the appearance. The random image challenge. The, the, no, no, no. The, the, the Channel 7 show, the front bar, getting sloppy seconds with Alan Jakovic. Oh, yes. And um, Alan's going to be appearing on, uh, on the front bar tomorrow night at 8.45 on Channel 7. So everyone, I'm sure, who's a Demons fan will want to want to strap themselves in to watch that one. Um and I, the reason I remembered that is because you mentioned your demon wiki. Now I reckon the picture that they used on social media today was definitely taken from demon wiki. Because <laughs> when you put that in there, that when you put Alan Jakovic in an image search, that's one of the photos that comes that's up, and it's from comes up. Yep. I, did, I, I reckon, and I reckon that was one of the photos that I scanned out of the uh, the Melbourne Football <laughs> Club collection. It's a shame they didn't. I've just done a search here and looking at all the Demon Wiki ones. It's a it's a shame they didn't use the one of him in a suit and tie from his <laughs> footy show ad in about 1994. That would have been uh, that would have been a good one. That one definitely comes up. That, that yeah, the, the one in the uh, yeah in the the blue shirt and the in blue suit. Yep, and I've got him in his merchandise with uh, Kevin Dyson, the merchandise catalogue. <laughs> Uh, Caden, were you uh, old, were you old enough? Were you uh, did you see any of Alan Jakovic? Or? 
Oh, I've seen some of his uh, his stuff on you know in highlights yeah. or in a couple of the Melbourne DVDs that I've got at home. Did he kiss his brother after a goal or something like that? Yes, he, he did. did. He, he certainly did. And uh, talked. To, we we interviewed him last year on the the podcast. He, he gave the full story about that, which. Uh, which we'd never never heard before. So, uh, yeah, if anyone uh, listening to this podcast, get on uh, demonland.com uh, on the front page. You'll see a link to uh, to that interview, and it was a beauty. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm wrapped up. Which was then it. knocked off on uh, about 27 other <laughs> yes, uh, media outlets. <laughs> it was. Although um, I do notice here the West Australian not only mentioned the, the podcast, but they've actually got a – they've put a clip in. Yep, and they said, they, yeah, he, the, the, the guy who wrote the uh, thing uh, asked permission for that, so I was happy. They even put the whole podcast in. Bloody hell, you get to the Australian. Yep, they asked permission, so happy to, yeah, no. happy to give him that. Right. Yeah, so uh, he'll be on uh, on the front bar uh, this week, so everyone uh, make sure you watch that. It should be entertaining. I, I noticed the footy show this week um, is trying to do some 7.30, two-hour spectacular show. So do you think this is the front bar's counter-programming attempt <laughs> yeah, to knock out the footy show special? They've gone, let's bring in the ultimate interview. Well, I noticed a lot of journos on Twitter were retweeting and commenting on it. So he's, he's a bit of a favourite out there. The, the legend of uh, Jacko lives on. And at least we know now, thanks to your good work, that he's not going to show up and be a nuffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, yeah, I, was, I was a bit concerned. I'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's been my hero for 20-something years. What if he comes on and he's just like totally NQR? But he was like the most chilled guy of all time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was just the most natural, normal guy. And it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> my, my hero is not, uh, you know, he didn't come on and, you know, start you know, cutting offensive promos on people or anything. <laughs> so we can be sure we can go into this TV appearance knowing that he's going to provide uh, quality content. Yeah, it should be good. And I'm sure they'll pull out, 100%, they'll, they'll pull out the clip of him kissing his brother. There's no doubt about that. Oh, absolutely. Um, kick the scissor kick goal. Oh, yep. Yep. Possibly throwing Gary Pert's water bottle away. <laughs> Giving the up yours to the crowd, high-fiving the bloke when he kicked the goal and ran down the fence and high-fived a bloke. <laughs> oh, great times. All right. Uh, well, I think uh, we'll end it, uh, end it on that high note. Uh, Alan Jakovic, my hero, always a, your hero. Always a high note. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... We'll be back uh, next week if, uh, if you're listening to the podcast um, via iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We'll read it out uh, on the air. Uh, otherwise, you can find us at uh, demonland.com, Twitter, demonland30, at demonland31, Facebook at demonland31, and on Instagram, demonland31 as well. All right, guys. Um, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you.